0: Lord, we thank you so much for this, again, awesome day. You are such a good, good Father. Lord, I thank you for the message you've given me this morning. I thank you for releasing me to preach the message this morning. Lord, I pray that uh, as we go over this sermon and as we go into the message, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just hover in this place, that we would just feel your presence, Lord, that we would be challenged by the message, that, Lord, you would just speak deep into our hearts, Lord, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and mercy in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As uh, mentioned before, Sarah Snyder will be ministering at the Ladies' brunch in, uh, next week. And, of course, her husband, Sam, is going to be here that weekend as well. Um, Sam and Sarah will be probably ministering together a little bit, maybe talking a little bit together. Um, Sam is the pastor, the head pastor, over at Bethel Christian Fellowship in Minneapolis. And he's a regional elder with the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. And, of course, we're excited to have him and his family here to minister for that weekend. Um, That will be next week. Next week, Sunday, is November 4. And in case... uh, I'm sorry, it's November 5. And in case anybody would forget or uh, hasn't been reminded or hasn't been paying attention, it happens to be the Sunday... Before this nation goes to the polls to elect a new president, let's not go there. <laughs> so Wow, Didn't expect that. That's OK. Uh, be this. <laughs> so while we are going to uh, here's what I want to do. We're going to address this a little bit next week on Sunday, but please pull up the PowerPoint. The message for this Sunday is entitled, A Christian's Guide to the Election. A Christian's Guide to the Election. Now, I want to be transparent with you. I was going to preach this last week. <laughs> I really was. I was intent on preaching this last week. And every time I sat down to study for it and pray about it, I, it was not clicking. It was not, I just didn't feel like the Lord has released me to preach it yet. And then this week, I sat down and was putting everything together, and it was, it was just flowing the way that it's supposed to. And so I felt like the Lord has released me to preach this message on a Christian's guide to the election. Now, I want, saying that, I want to say this. This is a timely message, of course. The election is coming up. It's, I believe it is a very important election. Um, last week's message, if, if you were here or if you've heard it, was entitled, The Wind and the Waves. And you'll recall that the message dealt with what we do while we're in a storm. While we're in the boat, what do we do when all seems lost, when it it seems like chaos is all around us and Jesus is sleeping in the boat? Do you remember that? The wind and the waves were, the winds were howling and the waves were crashing and Jesus was sleeping. And when he woke up, he said, peace, be still. That in the midst of the chaos, he was able to stand up and just peace, be still over the storm. I want to emphasize something this morning before we go into scripture. And what I want to emphasize is this. We are a small church in a small town in Iowa. I understand that, but I feel so tremendously blessed that God has brought our family here. I mean, we are just totally overwhelmed, blessed by this church and by the people in it. Pretty much everybody. Pretty much, no. We are entirely and tremendously blessed. But there are pastors out there with a lot more people in their congregations, much more influence over the United States and and the world, that have chosen to publicly, from from their pulpits, share who you should vote for or tell you who you should vote for. Okay? I want to make something very clear here. I do not believe that this pulpit should be used for me to tell you who to vote for. I don't believe it should be. I, I, As the pastor of this church, I don't believe that I should be able to tell you from the pulpit who to vote for. What I will say is this. I do believe that God has given me a mandate to minister not only the spiritual truth found in the Bible but practical truth as well. Amen? It's not just spiritual truth, but the practical truth. And the truth is, I have my own opinions. I have my own bias. Some of you may know what my bias is. Some of you may know what my opinions are. And that's okay. Having a one-on-one conversation, I'm okay speaking to people about this. And if you have questions for me after the service, you're more than welcome to come up and talk to me about it. But as far as from this pulpit, I don't believe it is my responsibility or mandate to tell you who to vote for. Okay? So, with that being said, as a Christian, number one, and second, as a pastor. So I'm speaking to all the other Christians who are here. And then I I look at myself not just as a Christian but also as a pastor. My views and my commitments above all, have to be rooted in not my own opinions, not my own biases, but in what the Word of God says. My views and opinions have to be rooted in what the Word of God says about it. Regardless of where the culture is leaning, regardless of what the trend is, regardless of what the new fad is, regardless of what comes out of the Republican platform or the Democratic platform, regardless of any of that, Regardless of whether it comes out of Hillary's mouth or Donald's mouth, I have to line it up with the word of God. Now, I want to be very, very careful about this, because I know people have strong opinions about this election. The reason I'm speaking to you about it today, and some people say, well, Pastor David, I don't even know why you're talking about this. Because this is, I believe, you know, I've been, when I was praying about this, I got to tell you. I felt the Lord speak to me about just all the anxiety that people have over this election. All the worry. All the anxiety and just... There's no peace about it. Just a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger. Anger, Christian against Christian, anger. People that, are, that love the Lord and are supposed to love each other, but when this election has, has come about, there's been vitriol and venom and hatred. And so I felt the Lord telling me that, that it would be appropriate to speak on the way that a Christian should approach this election. And I know that it's dangerous waters for me to swim in. I, I know that it is. But I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't following the leading of the Holy Spirit in what it means to preach and minister to this church. So, with all that being, being said, I want to say, show you how we should approach the election from Scripture. How should Christians approach this election? I want to give you four points. I want to give you only four points this morning. We have about 30 minutes to go into these four points. I want to say, this could be an exhaustive conversation. This could be an exhaustive sermon. I could keep you here for three plus hours just talking about all the ins and outs of this election and everything that's coming up. I only want to share four points with you this morning. I'm sure there's more I could cover, but I only want to share four. The first is this. Number one, how should Christians approach this election? Remember that America is not your true home. Number one. There should be an acknowledgment within our faith that America is not our true home. Now, people say, well, Pastor David, where do you get that from? What do you mean? If you remember, uh, Jim Reeves wrote a song years ago. How many remember the song? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. How many remember that song? What does the scripture say about it? See, because the thing is, I love America. I do. I love this nation. And it's a tremendous blessing to live in this nation. Tremendous blessing to live in this great nation. But as Christians, we have to acknowledge the truth that we are strangers living in a strange land. As Christians, we have to acknowledge this truth that we are foreigners. What does the Bible say about it? Please go to the next uh, slide. Philippians 3, 17 through 19 says this. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and are now even weeping. And now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Who are these enemies? These are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Here's here's who he's talking about. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. Whose glory is their shame. Who sets their mind on earthly things. Who sets their mind on earth. These are the enemies of the cross of Christ. I want you to think about the weight of that statement. That these are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, and who set their mind on earthly things. We can't have our mind so wrapped up in everything that's going on in this world around us. We can't have our mind only focused and only set on earthly things. Why is that? Because of the next slide right here. It says this. For our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship, our true citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, That it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Our citizenship is in heaven. I don't know if you knew this, but I live on Maple Crest Drive. Guess what? That is not my citizenship. I live in Esterville, Iowa, but that is not my citizenship. I live in America, but that is not my citizenship. And if you call yourself a Christian, it's not your citizenship. The, 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 the truth of it is this. Our citizenship is in heaven. Amen? America is not our true home. It is what we call our temporary home. Have you ever gone on vacation and stayed in somebody's house? Stayed in somebody else's home? You don't get too comfortable, do you? You don't get too comfortable. I mean, there's their stuff, and you're there, and you're kind of relaxing, but you don't get too comfortable because it's not your home, right? This is not our home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You see, as much as my heart soars, I, my heart swells up when I hear the words of God Bless America. I love that song, God Bless America. But I have to consistently remind myself that while God has placed me here, my true home lies elsewhere. That while God has placed me, and in case there's any confusion, let me tell you about this place. There'll be no sorrow over there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more parting over there. But forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, a glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saves me by his grace, as he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. As much as I love this country, as much as I wave its flag proudly, I am exponentially more excited about the day when I can shake the dirt of this world off my feet and I can live where I'm supposed to. Amen? I am exponentially, infinitely more excited about going to heaven than I am staying here. I'm going to shake the dirt of this. You know what, Carol? Doug's up there, so he'll get to pick on you this morning. Evan's there, too. Evan, your mom just told me to pick on you. I love you guys. You guys are, I I love the people of this church, but guess what? When it's time to go, Evan, I ain't sticking around for you, buddy. (laughs) When it's time, I can't wait to shake the dirt off my feet because my citizenship is in heaven. Amen? I will say this. Even though this is our temporary home, because it's our temporary home, the Lord wants us to have good stewardship over it. Amen? The Lord wants us to take care of it. Part of taking care of it, part of our responsibility as Christians in taking care of it is voting. I believe that with all my heart. Part of us being good stewards... Over what God has given us is doing our part. Amen? The second one is this. The first is that, keep in mind, America is not your home. Second one is this. Number two, God's ways are not always our ways. God's ways are not, and I'm gonna put in parentheses, always our ways. God's ways are not our ways. There's sometimes times where we're following after, I mean, really, truly following after the heart of God and his ways are our ways. Amen. There's times where we push at hard after the Lord, and, but we don't see everything. The Bible says we we look through a mirror dimly. We don't know everything. Isaiah 55 in verse eight says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then it says this, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it sees a yield seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, the purpose for which I sent it. When God sends it, it will come back the way he wants it to. That's what it's saying right here. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, so is my word that comes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, what I set it out for. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not always our ways. And I put always because, of course, yes, we are following after him. Amen? But sometimes God may have a plan that we're not privy to. God may have a plan that we know nothing about. And we can't place our faith in a candidate or a party. We have to place our faith in the Lord. Amen? I see a lot of Christians worried, full of anxiety, Because they're placing their faith where it shouldn't be. They're placing their faith in a candidate or a party rather than in the Lord. The truth is, his ways are not always our ways. Deuteronomy 29 and 29 says this. I don't have it up there, I'm sorry. It says the secret things belong to the Lord. The secret things. Sometimes we have to be comfortable living in this mystery. Sometimes we just have to be comfortable saying, "All right, God, I don't understand it. I don't get it. This is the way it is." But I'm comfortable. I put my faith in you. I'm comfortable with it. Why? Because I don't put my faith in a person or a party or a platform. I put my faith in God. Amen. Now, there are some who have claimed some prophecies. There are some who have said, "You know, I know who the president's going to be," on both sides of the aisle prophecies about who the president's going to be and I'll tell you what they may be right or they may be crazy I don't know don't sing the song honey (laughs) but the fact is that sometimes we are living in this mysterious place where we are just depending on God even when things may not go how we think they're supposed to we just have to depend on God amen No matter how it goes, we have to depend on God. When we are in that place, when you are in that place, are you relying on God? Are you putting your trust in him? With that in your mind, I want you to think about this. It's nearly 1500 B.C. 1500 B.C and you are a Jewish slave living in Egypt. Can you imagine this? Can you get this picture in your head? 1500 B.C., and you're a Jewish slave living in Egypt. Your people have been tortured and abused your entire life. You know nothing but enslavement. Because it's 1500 B.C., and you're a Jewish slave living in Egypt. You start to hear rumors that God is raising up a deliverer. You see, your family has been tortured and enslaved by this guy named Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is one mean dude. He's torturing your people, but you hear about this deliverer by the name of Moses. And the fact is that God raised Moses up to deliver the Jewish people. Amen? He he, he raised Moses up to deliver the slaves of Egypt. Now, you may say, Pastor David, what's the point? What's the point in all this? The point is this. You can see God raising up a deliverer. We can, see, we can see how God raised Moses up to deliver the people. Amen? But, can you understand that God was also there to raise up Pharaoh? As a Jewish slave living in Egypt, God didn't just raise up a deliverer, but he also raised up Pharaoh. I want you to go to the next slide. Romans 9, and 17 says this. For Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You see, it wasn't just the deliverer that was raised up. God also raised up Pharaoh. God also raised up Pharaoh, and we don't want to think about that. We don't know God's plan for this election. We don't know God's plan for this nation moving forward. What we pray for is that God would bless us. What we pray for is that that God would give us safety. What we pray for is that, that we wouldn't be persecuted because of our faith. But sometimes we don't know the mysteries that God knows. I don't know who's going to be elected. I don't have some specific prophecy about what the Lord has spoken to me, about who the candidate's going to be that's going to win. All I know is this. Regardless of the platform, regardless of the candidate, I have to put my faith and my trust in God. Amen? It may not make sense to us. It may, not, it, it, it may seem crazy to us, in fact. But his ways are not our ways. We may not see a reason. We may not have an understanding. But do we still put our trust in God? Amen? Number three. This is going to get personal. We need to be grace-filled rather than hate-filled. A Christian's approach to this election is we need to be grace filled rather than hate filled. One pastor said it this way graciousness, grace, and grace filled are not the norm when Christians get involved with politics. It's sad to hear. If you were to put all the Christian comments about politics and politicians in the same basket as the non-Christian comments, you would have a hard time telling the difference. I want to say it this way. Has our speech glorified God? Has our speech glorified God? Have our Facebook posts, our talk at work, our talk at school, had they been filled with love and grace and hope, or are they filled with hatred and venom? Our our conduct shouldn't be influenced by our circumstances. Our conduct should not be influenced by our circumstances, but rather by our submission to Christ in our lives. My speech should not be influenced by my circumstances around me, but by my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. Amen? I know that steps on toes. Hey, steps on mine. I'm not going to claim perfection. For the record, I'm not perfect at this. This is something that I'm working on too. Here's what I would say. Let's work on it together. Amen? We're in this together. Colossians 4 and verse 6 says this, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person but pastor david you don't understand pastor david you don't under- that person is evil come on hey both sides of the aisle that's what people say well that person's evil pastor david that person's evil. We probably don't even know half of the stuff that they've done. Either or. I'm not speaking about one person in particular. I'm saying either or. And this could be a true statement. In our eyes, they could be very well worthy of our hatred. In our eyes, they could be very well worthy of our venom. A few weeks ago, I spoke about the 101% rule. Remember this? That you may not agree with somebody on anything. But there's always 1% of something you can find. I mean, 99% of everything they say, you don't agree with. You can't find one thing you like about them. But there's always one thing. 1%. And when you find that 1%, you give 100% of yourself to it. Do you remember that? 1%. You say, Pastor David... That person's evil. I can't even find one thing. I'll give you two things. The first is this. They were made in God's likeness the same way you were. The second is this. Christ died for them too. Christ died for them too. James 3, and three eight says this. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. It is full of poison, deadly poison. And here's what it says. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And then with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. It brings us to our last point this morning. I was at work in Georgia, and um, people started, this regardless of what party you belong to or what politics you believe in. I believe this to be true across the board. I was at work, and the people there started speaking very badly about President Obama. Very badly. And this wasn't in regards to policies or policies that he's, you know, enacted, but just him personally. Very, very badly. Just speaking uh, very offensive. I want to say this. As a pastor of this church and as a Christian in general, we should be honor. We should give honor to whoever our president is. We should give, I understand you might not agree with everything that's said or everything that's done, but we should honor our president. I said this, that they were, they were talking about President Obama and just saying some hate-filled things, really hate-filled things. And this is what I said. I said we should honor the president because it's who's, who God put in leadership. We should honor him because it's who God put in leadership. And then I said this because they were scoffing at me. They kind of scoffed and said, "Yeah, whatever." I said it's really hard to talk about somebody like that when you're praying for them. It's really hard to talk about somebody like that if you're praying for them. The last point is this number four. We should pray for whoever is elected. We should pray for whoever is elected. We should be praying for the candidates right now. We should be praying for their families right now. In speaking about the candidates, one pastor said this, they do not need my sinful anger or my hatred. They need my Jesus. I suspect I will never agree with them Regarding their politics or their agendas, but I do pray for them, especially that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ in their lives. Especially that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ in their lives. With all the anxiety and worry over this election, I would ask you this Have you taken time to pray for the candidates? Why should you pray for them? number 1 because the bible tells us to 1st Timothy 2 says this I urge then first of all that petitions prayers intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. The first thing we talked about, please go to the next slide. Number one, America is not your true home. Our citizenship citizenship lies in heaven, amen? Number two, God's ways are not always our ways. Sometimes we live in this mystery of God, what are you going to do and why are you doing it? Do we still put our trust and faith in him, amen? Number three is this, that we should be grace-filled rather than hate-filled. I want to read this scripture from Colossians one more time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Number four, pray for whoever is elected. Pray for them now. And then when they become our president, pray for them then. The Bible says some specific things about those in authority. One is that we should honor them. Two is that God will turn the head and heart of the king towards us. That God can turn the head of the king however he pleases. You say, well, Pastor David, what if the person I don't want to be elected is elected? I still have faith in God. I still trust in him. I still put my trust in him. I still love people. I still want my speech to be grace-filled and not hate-filled. That we honor our leaders and we pray for our leaders. This probably isn't the most popular message this morning. Probably isn't the most popular thing to say. Because people really get involved and really give themselves over to their feelings about the election. But I would say this. It's not about my feelings. It's not about my opinions. It's about what does the Bible say. What does the Bible say? What does the word of God say about our circumstances and situation? And listen, my, my feelings, my countenance should not be determined by the circumstances around me, but by submitting to the Christ in my life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the word this morning. I know it's, that's a tough one. Lord, it's a tough one. It's It makes us check ourselves. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that that our speech would be grace-filled. Lord, leading up to this election, that we wouldn't have anxiety, that we would put our trust and faith in you. Lord, that you've given me a mandate not just to speak about spiritual things, but about practical things. Lord, I thank you for the position that I have where I can speak to those who are here. Lord, I pray that we remember first that America is not our home, that our citizenship is with you in heaven. Lord, that we put our trust in you because your ways are not always our ways. Lord, that we would be grace-filled in everything we say. Lord, I pray that you would bring us to a place of prayer, bring us to a place of love for whoever becomes our president. Lord, I pray over each person here, that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. We'll see you next week.